You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 38 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by our social media manager. It is Mr. James Healy. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm very well, Ian. Weather roundup from Bristol, blue skies. Had a lot of rain, though, so um, it's meant to be cricket season, isn't it? But a lot of games, I think, have been called off, and I think a lot of football games would have been called off. Looking on Twitter, a few games were actually called off due to waterlogged pitches. But, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's quite nice now, so um, could be playing football in this or cricket. How about How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I noticed that one of those games that didn't beat the weather was uh, the, the, the Coalfield Classico. Radstock never got to take on Welton Rovers. And, um, I mean, if you look at the, uh, the the crowds that we were getting in the Les Phillips Cup games, um, they could have really had a bumper crowd up at Southfields for that one. So I, I, I do feel sorry for um, for all involved there that that game didn't get to, to, to go ahead. But as you say, I think the weather has, slight, has finally managed to catch up with where we are supposed to be at this time of the year. So hopefully we'll all enjoy a lovely summer and come back in a month or so's time, refreshed and renewed and ready to go again um, for the next football season. that's And uh, I imagine that you'll be out with your camera over the summer, but uh, it won't be football you'll be recording. It'll be uh, it'll be cricket. Yeah, I've been out a few times and uh, I don't think you can beat sitting there relaxing. Although I did go out Saturday and it was cold. Sat watching the cricket with my camera, sat there for two, three hours. Uh, but it was I had a coat, jumper and a woolly hat on. And that's definitely not cricket weather. No, no. Dear me. Anyway, on uh, this week's episode of the podcast, we hear from the chairman of the Toolstation Western League, John Paul, talking us through the restructuring and um, what that means for the for the Western League. Um, we also hear from the two victorious managers. Of course, we have had Les Phillips Cup action. Would you believe it, Jim? We've actually got some Toolstation Western League football to talk about. Unbelievable. Um, I'm sure that the coronavirus will probably come into conversation at some point, but it would be nice if we could manage to get through an episode of this thing without talking about the damn virus. Anyway, we do hear from Dave Pearce um, uh, on uh, on his victory for Bridgewater over Tavistock. And we also hear from Lee Davidson, um, uh, whose side uh, Bradford um, triumphed over Hallen. But Jim's going to give you a little bit of a, a roundup uh, on those games as well. And then, of course, we'll um, we'll have Jim's Twitter roundup at the end of the podcast. So um, we'll kick things off then by going straight to the man at the top, John Paul, the chairman of the Tool Station Western League. And... Um, I thought it was important to get John on now because obviously we've seen the new lineup for the leagues. Um, I appreciate that the, the you know there are some appeals going through, although we don't know whether that involves any clubs in the Tool Station Western League. But anybody who follows Ollie Bayliss's um, timeline will know that um, um, some clubs across the pyramid have appealed the decision. But um, so we wait to see whether it is completely done and dusted. The show's not over until the fat lady sings, but I think she's getting warmed up. Um, but anyway, I thought it was a good idea to get on John, and um, we we started our conversation by sort of going taking a trip down memory lane i asked john to remind us how this fa restructuring exercise came about i think we go back um probably latter part of 2019 20 when they started talking about the restructuring process but it probably was applicable to steps one to four they were getting problems with distance travels and such like but bit by bit, it, it was never shelved, and, and we knew inevitably that it would it would filter down to five and six. Um, I think taking step seven out of 
the National League system was a pointer towards the thinking that was going on. Probably back in February 21 was the first real indication that the structure was going to be looked at. And of course the pandemic was having some sort of sort of governing factor over all this as regards to whether he went with when he went ahead with it or not. And every meeting we were having, and it was pretty much on a monthly basis at that time, they were always being asked, is it your intention to go ahead with the restructuring process? And they kept saying things like, well, it's not at all costs, you, you, you know. But I think we all knew that, given the chance, they, they were going to go with it, really. We met with them on April the 10th, and we knew then that it had legs. It was, there, was no, there was no doubt that they were going to go ahead with it. And the reason we had to meet them because, <clears throat> ironically, when the peninsula evolved, you know, the two-step six is this, is we were never really told what agreements were in place with regards to how, how promotion, relegation was going on. So that was, that was the reason we asked for the meeting. Um, and then we got, we got to know them that, that they were going to push on with it. Um, they gave us the pointers as regards to the four clubs. We are where we are now. You know, all, the, all the decisions have been made. The lateral movement was the one question that we asked: Would we have any, or we, would we be permitted to have any input in who was likely to be leaving us? And we were told quite clearly, "No, you won't." That will be a lease committee decision, and it was as blunt as that. Um, so that was, you know, that was pretty much where we were. They we asked, "What criteria are you going to use?" Um, they threw us a little bit there because what they said was distance travel they didn't say miles they said distance travel and then they said and clusters but it became apparent what in the end was the fact that they were going to try and maintain what they considered to be groups of clubs within you know within sort of localities like in and around Bristol for instance where they could still maintain the local derbies and the bankology fixtures and such so it all started it all started making sense which when they, you know, when they actually came out with it, that was pretty much the governor. Um, so yeah, it, well, if that answers your question, you know, that, that was that's pretty much the background to how they got to create what they created. We'd always known, hadn't we, that that promoting West Country sides, Cornish sides, and Devon sides, those were always going to come through into the Western League. So there was no surprise there. But I guess. One of the things that's been the most eye-catching from the announcement last week is obviously the impact on the travel distances. I mean, you know, can you give us some idea what impact has this restructuring had on our travel distances for next season? It's pretty much what I would imagine. It's probably every every club or every existing club has had their mileage increased and, and doubled in some cases. I think what gets forgotten is, is the fact that our footprint has never, ever changed. It's always been down into Cornwall. And, you know, the likes of Toro, Falmouth, Liscard, Saltash, all these clubs have been part of the Western League over the years. I think it's fair to say that, that every time they, you know, certainly in the, in the early days, they, they brought a lot to the league, as did, you know, the clubs from Wiltshire, Gloucester, Bristol, and everybody else. But, I don't think it's, it's, such a, it's such a surprise to me because, you know, once you create a National League system, one would expect that, that the likes of Penzance and, if you like, Elston, Mousel, 
they're all entitled to play in that National League system. Well, once that's accepted, then it's blatantly obvious that the Western League is, is virtually the next stop. I think the impact is as such, or, or what perhaps shouldn't be forgot about, is if they're prepared to come into the Western League as a league and they're prepared to, you know, to do this every other week, the clubs you know, from Bristol, um, Somerset, Gloucester, you're going to be challenged to go there twice. The one thing I do get, uh, and I think this is where where the, the big change comes about, is the cost of travel. And, you know, yet again, you have to, you know, you have to look at them and admire the fact that they're prepared to take it on. You get the cynical view that how long will it last? Well, you know, time's going to tell that. With regards to an impact, that was the biggest impact without a shadow of a doubt. And I think if you go to to go to the clubs that have, you know, are looking to, to, to have taken the lateral movement into the Atlantic League, sadly, you know, if you could you could pick and choose, there's a lot of the clubs that you wouldn't want you wouldn't want it to have lost. Some of those clubs are probably quite removed from the fact that they haven't got to do the you know take on these travel distances. I do, you know, like I said, you know, without getting uh, overly personal about it, I've always been conscious of the fact that. It was always likely to happen. I think probably what would have softened the blow is not not so much the four clubs coming in, it was where they came from. And if they'd have been, for instance, Torpoint, Saw Ash, Millbrook, Ilfracoom, it wouldn't have been such a, you know, so, so dramatic. Of course, the first two that, that I mean, ironic, it was only Houston initially. And then Mauser, we had absolutely no idea at all because the, ori- the original information that came through on a once-per-game basis, the two from the East and the two from the West, you know, didn't include Mauser. Of course, Mauser being the fifth club, which they arrived at because they went down this route of the points-per-game again. Uh, and Mauser, you know, Mauser fell into it. And, yeah, you know, look, they'll all be as welcome as everybody else. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's been what the Western League's always been about everybody's made it's not their fault you know, and, they, and they shouldn't be made to feel like that you know they've taken an opportunity um, the same as anybody else would and, and bear in mind we've had clubs that have come into the Western League that have always looked to you know to aspire to go into Southern League so you know somebody better tell me what the difference is I don't get it if that answers your question the distance travel was always going to be an issue once it involved Helston and Mason. Obviously, it does create a headache, particularly for our fixture secretary. I mean, I suppose if we take an example of the Les Phillips Cup, you know, we're going to have first division sides that, you know, potentially... Well, we won't do it, Ian. We, we, straight away, we roll over that, really, because do we need to find a different format for it? We are playing with all sorts of things. I mean, the first thing that we we said, right, we're, we're definitely... And to be fair, the clubs have asked for this before, but it was difficult to make it work. And we actually had... Believe it or not, we actually had put together a different format, uh, a format for the competition, which was just grouping everything, where there was local derbies, um, and it all worked out fine. And then, you know, the, the, the Mausel situation, came, well, Mausel came into it, that, that changed it somewhat. And then we started looking at, at the distance travel and started thinking to ourselves, you know, Maybe we, we need to have a rethink about the, this less for this cup. It did sort of, and it, it probably is still on the table, about whether we even run it 
whether we we, we look to have a, a season whereby we we we, just, we don't run it. We 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 are looking at all sorts of options. We're looking at making it a tournament season. Our plans are to we're going to meet with these new clubs uh, because there's, there's certain things that we want to, we want to run across them about some of the ideas that we got. And we're certainly going to we're going to meet with with all the all the existing clubs and sit down with them and try you know try to convince everybody that it isn't going to change. Uh, there's, there's, you know, they're going to go ahead with this without a doubt. And what we're hoping to do is, is to take everybody with us and try and make it work. And, and we will do everything in our power to try and make it as easy as possible. And going back to, you know, to your original question with regards to fixtures, you, you know, everybody knows both Caffrey's responsible for that. We're all, we're all looking at it, and we will, as much as is possible, make sure that. Saturdays will be the key to a lot of it. Inevitably, weather can play a major part in it. Good cut runs can play a part in it. Everybody that has been involved in, in football understands the implications and, and what what can happen. But there will be no there will be no way that, that that he will be you know that we he will be setting out fixtures that's going to be taking close long distances midweek. Um, and that's never been the case, to be quite honest. But, but sometimes it, it it can work that way. But that's you know that's the work that's going into it at the moment. I mean, we you know we have actually you know as we speak, we're looking at start dates. I mean, the, the FA aren't particularly helpful because I mean sometimes you know FA competitions don't get you know that didn't come out sometimes in, the second week in June. But we are you know we got board meeting Thursday and we will. You know, we'll, we'll talk around some proposals that we got with regards to starting. I mean, the, the usual one is about front loading the season. Well, we, we definitely be front loading the season as much as is possible. Have we got it covered? Well, so we got it covered, but we certainly we're certainly talking about all the issues as we see it. Um, it's no mean feat there, John, and I know that yourself and the board and George and Andy, you know, there's an awful lot of work that, um, that you know, this has already gone in and I'm sure there'll be more information coming out, um, you know, over the over the weeks before we get to the season. I mean, moving away from sort of the challenges of the fixture schedule, um, obviously the restructuring has meant that we've lost, uh, you know, a lot of clubs um, that have given a great deal to the Western League over the years. And, you know, in our conversations, you know, I'm always a, a very keen follower of Wiltshire football and so I'm particularly sorry to see some of those clubs go but um, uh, I mean you know have you got a message for you know for those clubs that that, that are leaving us now yeah I've spoken to all these clubs and they know you know they know my feelings um, and I like to think there's, a, there's people that I've you know I don't say friendships of, of, of Wayne but there are people that, that in particular like place clubs like Colm and numerous others that, that you know <coughs> part of the Western League family and they've brought an awful lot to the table to be quite honest uh, and I'd like to think that you know, when conventions come around they still consider you know coming down and joining us again uh, it will it is extremely disappointing to lose a lot of these clubs and uh, you're talking about clubs that have been in membership for a long long time you know these clubs that are joining us now or they're just new members of the family hopefully um, we want to make sure that as much as we possibly can that they're made to feel as welcome as everybody else that has joined us and um, extremely, yeah, yeah, disappointed that it's, it's worked out the way that it has. We start thinking back now to 
there was an irony with us in 2010. We were asked to actually make sort of projections and such like. We did all that. If they'd have picked up those projections then, you know, we probably wouldn't be where we are now, but that's water, you know, that's water under the bridge, really. I mean, that's gone. So, yeah, I'm disappointed to, to lose clubs that have, you know, been part of the Western League family. And you can only but wish them the best. Um, I'm not at all sure, if I'm absolutely honest, how all this is going to work out. Do I see it moving them back again? Not in the short term. No, I think I think we're going to have to get on with this. Um, I don't think there'll be any. This is on my own personal view. No, I don't think you'll see any changes until the such time that at least two seasons have gone by, and, and you know, just to sort of take stock of how it all goes, really. Um, and I think, you know, to be fair, that's what they've asked us to do. They, they are aware. They're certainly aware of what they've asked us to take on. And I think that the message from them is we just want you to, you know, to give it a go. Um, I don't know whether they got a big picture. I don't know whether they, they certainly have shared it with us if they have. We got our own thoughts about how we see it. Um, but at the moment, the take we got on it is we're going to give it a go. We're going to give it a go with, you know, without those clubs, with new clubs coming in. Um, Travel distances are going to play a part in it, but yeah, we're up for it. We will, we will try to do, a, do our best by the clubs as always. Well, let's finish on a positive. Let's look forward to next season, and we are going to be joined by Helston, Ilfracoo, Millbrook, Mousel, Saltash, AEK Bocco, Gillingham, and Titherington Rocks. So, what's your message for, for those clubs joining, and their fans, of course, joining the, the Tool Station Western League family next season? Come and enjoy it. And at the moment, I've spoken to problem. And like the excitement that's going through the place is, is, is incredible, to be quite honest. In fact, you know, I, I think the clubs should take something from it. The existing member clubs should take something from that. It's the fact that they want to join the Western League. They want to be part of the Western League. And I think they deserve that respect for that reason. Is it, that welcoming, you know, welcome them into it. You'll be treated fine going the other way, I'm sure. Um, like I say, I'd, I just hope they come into it and they enjoy it as much as those that have left. And my thanks to John for his time. Now then, James, um, Friday night football, Friday night under the lights and a sense of deja vu here. Um, Bridgewater Tavistock, a fixture that you and I um, enjoyed together uh, only, only a few weeks ago in the FA Vars and the two decided to do it all over again uh, in the Les Phillips Cup. They did, yeah. It was, uh, it was nice to see the, the Twitter feeds uh, live with uh, updates of what was going on. Um, yeah, Bridgewater hosted Tavistock in the semi-final of the Les Phillips Cup with Bridgewater running out 2-0 winners. Uh, thanks to goals from Mike Duffy. He scored after five minutes. Uh, and then Jack Taylor made it two with uh, just over 10 minutes to go. Um, but the most impressive thing was the uh, attendance at Fairfax Park was over 500 there. 501 uh, was the official attendance, which was which was great to see. And some of the photos that uh, Debbie uploaded, it's nice to see the crowd in the background because in football you you hear uh, sports photographers saying that the crowd in the background makes some of the photos, which was uh, true with uh, Debbie's photos. And also Dave Crawford uploaded some great snaps as well from that game. So it was nice to see those two out with their cameras again and obviously seeing 501 people enjoying 
their live football fix on a Friday evening. It was uh, it was great. I did like the um, intro on the Bridgewater Town website for their match report. It read uh, the Robins it, uh, turned canine and were like greyhounds out of the trap, which I thought was a great <laughs> thing. So um, I'm guessing they started really quickly, Bridgewater. But yeah, they, they ran out 2-0 winners, overturning their defeat uh, in the Vars um, by winning 2-0 at home to Tavi. And obviously we'll uh, appear in the final this weekend. Well, let's find out how they did it. Uh, I spoke to the Bridgewater Town joint manager, Dave Pierce. And after congratulating him on the win, um, I asked him what had changed from that um, defeat at the hands of Tavistock only a few weeks ago. Um, I think I think uh, we watched the game back a few times and we thought, well, what, where do we go wrong? What do we need to do to nullify their sort of strength? So we worked on things in training and the lads had a bit of a... Not a revenge mission. You know, it, it, it was quite difficult. Because when we were training, we thought, wow, we've got five weeks yet. You know, we've got five weeks until until we played this game. So we had a few friendlies and we've uh, put people in different positions and, regard, you know, planning for the, uh, the Tavistock game. And I think the, but the biggest thing for me was probably having the crowd back. That made a massive difference. Um, players playing in front of people uh, that gave an extra, an extra edge for us, and um, the lads responded to it and got us the victory, which was just just what we wanted. So yeah, I think but I've got to give credit to the players because they they've worked hard over the last five weeks to get ready for the game and. Um, yeah, it paid off in the end. Now it was a Friday night match, like the like the Vars tie, uh, and obviously that won't have made it easy for the fans from Tavistock to make the journey up to you in Bridgewater. Can, can you tell us why the game was switched from Saturday to Friday? Well, it was nearly put on the Tuesday before because um, me and uh, Stu Anderson spoke a little bit, and we wanted we were trying to get the game done a lot earlier than that. Um, and then the, the Friday night just seems to be we've done it a few nights uh, in the league campaigns in the last couple of years and it just brings more people to the game for some reason uh, under the lights Friday night people finish work at five go and watch football and uh, it just seems to work where, where we are um, but you know fair play to have a start they were they were up for getting it done and then you know the, the players and everyone involved got the weekend to themselves so um, yeah, it was, it was a joint decision between us and Tavistock, and yeah, that's, that's the way it went. I mean, on the on the night, you scored nice and early. Did, did that help? I mean, did, did it help having them chasing the game? Um, yeah, massively. Um, you know, it just sort of gave, gave us something to hold on to, and I thought, you know, they, they are very, they're still, you know, very, very good side, so we just sort of went at it, went at them straight away, and we got a lucky. You know, lucky break, defected goal. Um, it gave us the players something to hold on to and uh, to take us through the game. Um, and they were chasing it a little bit, um, but you know, as you said, the early goal gave us something to build on and um, yeah, give the crowd an extra lift. Uh, the noise, the noise was fantastic to be a part of. You know, really good atmosphere. Um, but no, game overall, good game. I mean, you left it late to get the second. It was still only 1-0 at half-time. So what did you say to the lads in the dressing room? Well, we 
we should well you know Tavistock may disagree but I've watched, I've watched the game back up time we should have been out of sight in the first 15 minutes uh, a bit like when we played them in the Vars they should have been out of sight it was a complete role reverse you know we, we had so many clear chances uh, to put them away uh, we didn't and then I'd probably, I'd probably say the first half an hour we were probably the better side uh, don't get me wrong they had a couple of chances I think Arkeva made one save and they put another one just past the post uh, but then the last 10 minutes I thought they just started to dominate possession a bit more um, started to sort of pick passes and getting in between our midfield and defence but we defended the whole game with so much desire and uh, so much resilience um, to shut them out it was um, yeah it was, it was a great team performance very workmanlike uh, yeah we I'd say we probably had the better chances in the whole game but we, you know, I think our goalkeeper probably the, the crucial save was just after half time uh, Craig goes gone through one on one and our keeper saved it and from that moment I just thought yeah, this is going to be our night I think and then obviously Mr Taylor pops up with what he does best scores a second goal to kill the game off So it's Bradford Town in the final did you think that they would be the ones that you'd be facing if you did, if you did get to Friday's game? I, 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 oh, I don't have a clue 50-50 I, I said it could go either way could go either way play Hannon this season we haven't played Bradford but I've seen Bradford's team on, on paper I know the manager really uh, I used to play with the manager once upon a time um, I knew they'd be they're going to be organised and quite a physical team so uh, it could have gone either way for me either yeah, Hannon have got some good play, attacking players so um, but no we got Bradford and that's the, that's the way that game went so yeah it be a good final it'd be a tough test for for us but you know, it'd be a good day out and hopefully they'll have a big crowd again I mean, because that game obviously was on the Saturday and you got your business done on the Friday night, were you able to were you able to get to watch the uh, the, the, the other semi final? I didn't personally know I had a day with my kids, so um so uh, no uh, we we've it's all right gonna watch that based on the day. Who who turns up and who wants it more, who's gonna take the chances, so would we gain much out of watching it? Yeah, probably not. Probably not, but yeah, we look forward to the, the final next Saturday. Now, on points per game, you beat the second-best team in the Western League. Um, so, does that make you favourites for this final? <laughs> um, if you went off that, then, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, Tavistock have been the... Yeah, well, they, they were top, weren't they, for, for a while, um, you know, in, in this campaign, in the last one. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe it edges us a little bit. Um, you know, Bradford always in the, in the top half of the table, so it'd be quite close, but... If you want the semi-final results, then yeah, I suppose we would be. It doesn't sound like that's a message that's going to be permeating your dressing room, though. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Right, just one, one final point then. I mean, you did get one hell of a crowd on Friday night, mm-hmm. and I guess that you could do with that support at Street on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've got a couple of coaches, sports coaches, um, come to the game. We've got the... Uh, our young fans who make all the noise, they're all they're all coming. So uh, I suppose it's a good thing for us, street, you know, 20 minutes down the road for our fans to come to. So we're hoping that they come down in their, in their numbers and make as much noise as they did on, on Friday to cheer the lads on and hopefully we're lifting the trophy at the end. Well, Dave, thank you very much again for your time and um, the best of luck in the final on Saturday. If you're thinking, Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. 
Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now, moving on to the other semi-final, this um, this one took place on Saturday, Jim, and uh, two teams that will be leaving uh, the Toolstation Western League um, next season, Bradford Town took on Hallam. They did, yeah, and another good crowd. It was uh, 221 was the official attendance that was given out on the uh, on Twitter. Um, it's quite interesting, actually. Bradford had three penalties uh, throughout the game. Two were saved by uh, by Tom Creed in the Hallam goal. Uh, but they ran out uh, two nil winners as well over Hallen. Um, Tyson Pollard opened the scoring uh, for the hosts just before the hour mark, and then uh, they did actually convert a penalty. Uh, Ross Lye converted with 15 minutes to go, and then their the third penalty was uh, was saved in the 90th minute. So it could have been three nil. Uh, and at one point, Hallen went down to nine men because they had a man sent off, and also had a man put in the sin bin. Um, but it'll be uh, good to see Bradford. Bridgewater in the final on Saturday and hopefully a, another bumper crowd because uh, I see both clubs are, are running coaches down to street. We've now got the uh, the prizes come through as well, which I'll be pushing on social media today, uh, trying to get more people down there. Hopefully we'll see a, a nice big crowd down there enjoying the hopefully nice weather and um, a decent live game of football. And you'll be there, won't you, Jim? I'll be there, yeah, with the camera. Um, so make sure you've uh, give me a smile if I'm pointing my lens at you and not frowning at me thinking what's that rotund man doing with the camera taking a picture of me just uh, give me a smile and uh, I'm sure uh, Debbie will be there as well with her camera give her a smile um, she's probably going to get more smiles than me to be fair <laughs> yeah well if you do see somebody who looks across between Henry VIII and the rag and bone man that is James so um, say hello to him because he's very friendly anyway Jim I am uh, I wish we'd had this conversation before I spoke to Lee Davidson because um, um, just in case anybody actually thinks I prepare for these interviews you'll realise uh, in what you're about to hear that I, I did manage to um, I get got, got slightly confused with what I read on Twitter but anyway um, um, I won't I won't labour that now um, of course I started off by congratulating Lee on the win but before we talked about the football I wanted to know what it was like to play in front of fans again yeah it was uh, it was really exciting actually you know it's it's true that they say that fans make the uh, they, they make the game and having the roar of the crowd when you score or when there's a, a big tackle or something like that it, you know it always spurs the player on a little bit more so it was nice for everyone involved I believe I mean did it feel like the old normal uh, yeah, it was actually. Apart from, you know, we had to have the master in the changing rooms and, you know, when we went to set on afters, but when we were actually playing the game, it was, yeah, it was pretty much back to normal. It was, uh, yeah, it was very pleasing, I must say. Well, the, the result must also have been pretty pleasing. 2-0 um, against Hallen on Saturday. Both, both goals coming from the spot. I mean, did you feel that you were worthy winners on the day? Well, there's only one, one that came from the spot, Ian. The, uh, the, the first one was a fantastic solo goal by Tyson Pollard when he's, uh, he's cut inside on his right foot and he's got one into the top corner, hit the stanchion and, and rolled in, which was obviously a delightful one to see. Uh, and the second one was a penalty by the skipper, Ross Light. Um, he unfortunately missed his first penalty and then went on to uh, pick the second one. So a lot of courage, a lot of bravery from him to step up and uh, he uh, dispatched it nicely. So, a performance that you were happy with? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know I said previously, myself and the rest of the management team, we've been working on kind of our shape and, and working hard for each other. Uh, 
uh, making sure that we're kind of shuffling to not create chances and, and limit passes forwards into strikers. Um, and I think we did that really, really well on Saturday. You know, Palace were a, a great team and they had lots of ball and they got some very good players. But, you know, I think we, we restricted them quite well. You know, their passes sideways quite a lot or had to try and go for the long ball. Um, and our, our defence actually managed that really well. Now, it was nil all at half-time. So what was your message to the players? The message was that it's actually there for us. To, it's there for us to win. You know, we've put a good shift in the first half. We've restricted them to kind of, as I said, long balls and things like that. They did hit the crossbar uh, from a header to the centre half, um, but it was kind of more of the same. You know, if we're patient and if we work together, then we will get chances. We always get chances breaking forward. So, you know, if we're solid at the back, we're always going to get a chance. And I know that the vein of form that our attacking players are in, we are going to take one of those chances. Now, you've earned yourselves a cup final place against Bridgewater at the weekend. Signing off on the Western League by winning the Les Phillips Cup wouldn't be a bad way, way to bow out, would it? No, it would be delightful. You know, I think we'd have, to, we'd have to keep the cup, wouldn't we? Just take it with us for the, the trophy room and, uh, and, and go again. I think it'd be a perfect way to kind of sign off from the, the tool station league just to say, you know, thanks for the memories, but uh, we're going to take the trophy and off we go. <laughs> I think there'd be a few board members who are now breaking into a cold sweat listening to this. <laughs> I mean, what do you make of the Bridgewater uh, of Bridgewater as an opponent? I mean, were you surprised to see them beat Tavistock? No, I don't think so. I think you know that with the stronger teams in our league, anyone can beat anyone on the day. You know, I know Piercy quite well, and you know he sent me a message of congratulations after the game, which was lovely. And we're looking forward to playing against who we know is a really, really strong and well managed Bridgewater team. So, who do you make for uh, favourites for the final? I think you've got to probably look at Bridgewater as the favourites, I would say. You know, I think their, their team has been together for a, a longer than us. You know, myself and the rest of the management team have had to bring in, I think, 12 new players over the course of the last season. So we're finally, you know, finding our feet now and, and the players are responding to what's being asked of them, which is really nice. But I think the experience that Bridge you've got will probably just tip them as favourites for the final. Now, obviously, you're heading to the um, Hellenic League and Bridgewater have made no secrets of their ambitions, certainly off the field. And despite the influx of clubs from the Peninsula, I mean, do you still think Bridgewater will be ones to watch in the Western League next season? Absolutely. I think Bridgewater are a really consistent team. They're always in and around it and they've got a, a, a good squad of players. So I definitely think they'll be in and around it. The influx from Cornwall is obviously going to make a, a bit of difference. But, you know, I think that the experience that they show will probably shine through. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to see them in and around the top few places, definitely. I remember a Wiltshire Cup final a few years ago at Chippenham Town. Um, Melksham played Bradford Town. Now, I don't know whether you were playing in that game. It was an incredible night. And one of the things that I will, I will always remember about that night was the Bradford Town fans. I mean, I've never known a non-league game like it. So I guess it's something like that atmosphere that you're going to need at Street on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know the fans have been on to the, the chairman and that already about trying to go down. I think we've probably got the best fans and the most well-renowned fans for travelling in numbers and, and the laws that they show. So I know that there'll be uh, quite a few there supporting the Bobcats on Saturday. Excellent stuff. Well, I, I, I'd like to say the best of luck to you, Lee, but given that you're leaving the, uh, the Western League, I, I'm going to find that a little bit difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, um, I hope it's a wonderful day for your fans. And I mean, really, let's hope football, you know, for once over the last year, let's hope football's the winner and the best team wins on the day. Yeah, fingers crossed for a good game. Thanks, Ian. 
and my thanks to Lee for his time and his patience with having to deal with an interviewer who hasn't done his homework. Actually, the other, I mean, the other catastrophic gaffe um, that um, I, I missed in, in that conversation with Lee is that I forgot that he actually scored the winning penalty from Melksham Town against Cribs in the Les Phillips Cup final, and the game was played at Street. So you would have thought really that would have that would have made um, its way in to the uh, the conversation. Uh, he did bring it up with me at the end, and then I reminded him of the rather angry rant he had at the then manager Mel, um, Darren Perrin, which was highly entertaining for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Lee, of course, Lee is a is a teacher, so he's very good at telling people off, even if it is his manager at the time. Anyway, enough of that. Let's talk about what's been going on on social media. Yeah, it's been a busy. Uh... Busy week for our clubs. They've all all been pushing their um, pre-season fixtures, which is good. Um, obviously, we're putting the bits up on on the Tool Station League website, uh, which we're updating with the help of Adam. He's he's been great sending stuff through stuff that I've missed, and I've been sending in fixtures. He's been sending them back, and just making sure there's no crossovers. There have been a couple of clubs that have sent in their fixtures. And I put them on and realised that the teams they're meant to be playing have already got a fixture. So I've had to email them back and say, it looks like you might have double booked. So there's been a couple where they're saying, thanks for flagging that up. So it's it's been a worthwhile task so far. So uh, again, to any clubs that uh, haven't sent in their fixtures, hopefully we've picked a lot of them up on social media, but do get in touch with us and uh, we will put them on the on the club website. Looking at the stats on the site, it's, uh, it's been uh, a well-received page. That's for sure, people looking and I think desperate to get a pre-season football fix. Um, yeah, Hengrove tweeted as well about their club day. It seems that was a success. Um, I did have a message from Martin after giving him stick, saying that he would just turn up just to have a cup of tea. I'm pretty sure that's still the case. I'm sure he uh, just stood around and was pointing and saying, paint there, paint there, and do that, and just had a cup of tea. Um, a couple of manager changes, a couple of managers stand down. Cabri Heath have uh, changed their manager. They tweeted about that. And down in Bridport as well, um, their manager stood down. Obviously, he was only in charge for a little while and I think he only saw, took over one game. But uh, they, they've got a change manager there. Uh, Debbie Gould and Dave Crawford with their images I mentioned earlier on. Uh, nice to see, as always, the good quality photos these guys produce. Um, it's nice to see those ones from the two semi uh, from the game Bridgewater Tavistock. I mentioned again earlier the uh, both clubs are running buses from Bradford and Bridgewater to the game down at Street on Saturday. So be interesting to see how many they uh, both clubs bring down. But it looks like it could be a, a good crowd down there on on Saturday. So I'm really looking forward to going down and covering that. And then finally, Piran Films. I don't know if you've seen on social media that, but they've been going around covering games lately from the uh, semi-finals and travelling up from Helston and yeah, filming their uh, their away days. Um, and Steve Massey uh, and Mark Huckle have been yeah, driving around doing them, so it's worth looking out for those. They're about a half hour long, a little like uh, episode, uh, but it's quite interesting listening to these guys and then driving them around, so yeah, worth, worth keeping an eye out for that as well. Yeah, definitely, and really lovely to see um, that, you know, the new club's and obviously the new supporters, you know, the new people coming into the league already bringing something even at this, you know, this sort of early stage before we've actually kicked off in earnest. So it's um, really pleasing to see. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed that uh, that little video. So um, hopefully there'll be plenty more of that to come. 
Jim, thank you as always for your time. It's always um, much appreciated. Um, I think you and I are going to be hanging up the microphone after next week's um, episode and we have to take a little break um, before we uh, recharge the old batteries um, before we come back. But we're going to go out with a bang, listeners. You know, you're going to need to book a week off work to, to, to finish listening to the episode I'm going to put together for you for your next week. It's going to be the Ben-Hur of podcasts. <laughs> it will be it will rival the Lord of the Rings um, uncut version for its length. But I think we really need to go out on a high after everything we've been through um, over the past season. But we will have football to talk about. Of course, we're going to have that Les Phillips Cup final. Jim's going to give us his thoughts. We're all going to enjoy looking at his pictures and we're going to hear from the uh, victorious manager as well as a whole host of other people as well on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast. <laughs>